Welcome to this week's podcast from Capital Church's Young Adult Service. We hope this message encourages you, and thank you for joining us. Well, and so I'm thankful for Pastor Garrison and Tracy for uh, entrusting me with the pulpit and allowing me to come and share with you. And uh, I think that God has given me something to share with you. Um, and I'm going to try to do my best to articulate what it is that I feel the Lord is sharing. Last time that I talked to you guys, I used the topic faith as a perspective. And I, I don't expect any of you guys to remember all of that stuff that I said then. But some of the things that I share with you tonight might seem like a repeat of the things that I said last time from me to you. And it, it might be true. It's in the realm of probability. Because for me, I think it's really important that we understand the vessel of faith. It's really important to me, right? Because I don't care how pretty you are. I don't care how talented you are. I don't care how gifted you are. You, you can't get anywhere in the kingdom without faith. Come on, the Bible in Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord because whoever comes to him must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So if we can understand the importance of faith and how to utilize it, then we can become all God called us to be, and then we can do all that God called us to do. I mean, amen? I mean, that's what I believe. Just by a show of hands, how many of you want to be all that God purposed you to be? Okay. 98% maybe? That's good. Question number two, who wants to do all that God created you to do? Okay, we're getting closer. Question number three, what are you waiting for? Like, come on, man, you ain't been on the stage but five minutes and you're throwing darts already. You got to understand that faith is the equipment that you use in every season of your life, regardless of your age, regardless of your gender, regardless of your social status, your social class, whatever. Faith is the, the, the equipment that we use to be who God has called us to be so that we can do what God called us to do. It will always boil down to faith. I don't care how intelligent you are. Like I said, I don't care how gifted you are. I don't care how talented you are. See, watch this. Your true values and your true ethics, they become exposed when you really get in the test. Come on, and my question for you is when the curtains are peeled back on your life, when the lights are turned on, are you known for your faith or are you known for something else? Come on, when it really, really, really gets rough, are you known for your faith or are you known for something else? Come on, this is what I love. If I could insert myself into any book of the Bible, into any one chapter in the Bible, it would for me be Hebrews chapter 11 when it talks about the heroes of faith. I mean, the Red Sea story is cool. You know, I'd like to have been there and, and, and Daniel in the lion's den. I mean, that would have been a kick to be involved in that particular thing and actually come out living. But if I could cert my name in any one story, in any one chapter, it would be Hebrews chapter 11. Because if you don't know, that's where they talk about the heroes of faith, the hall of faith. And all the people mentioned as heroes of faith, they lived at different times in history. So this shows you that regardless of what season of life or what time in history these people were in, they all found their way into this narrative because of their faith. It wasn't about their talents. It wasn't about their gifts. It wasn't about the situations or circumstances or the opposition that they faced. It was about how they all overcame different situations and circumstances with one virtue at the center of their lives. And that virtue was faith. 
Come on, Hebrews 11, it says, by faith, Abel worshiped and gave a better sacrifice than Abel. By faith, it says, Enoch walked with God, and then he was taken up so that he should not see death. It says, by faith, Noah built, being warned by God about events that were unseen. He built an ark for the saving of his family and became an heir of righteousness. By faith, Abraham left his land, didn't know where he was going. It says, by faith, he went to sacrifice his son Isaac. It says, by faith, Sarah received power to conceive even when she was past childbearing age. By faith, Rahab was a prostitute and somehow she finds herself into the lineage of Jesus, right? She wasn't even a Jew and she finds herself into the lineage by faith. By faith, Isaac. By faith, Moses. By faith, David. All of these people, it didn't matter when they lived. It didn't matter what circumstances or obstacles they faced. The one thing that caused them to be recognized in this amazing narrative was their faith. Come on, at the end of the day, I'm telling you, you need faith because contrary to popular belief, you can't fight the devil with your gift or your talent. She's so pretty, yeah, the devil don't care. He's so talented, yeah, the devil don't care. At the end of the day, you can't fight the devil with your gift or with your talent. It's only by faith. See, if it was by talent, then God wouldn't be just in asking me to battle with the devil because some people are more talented than others. He wouldn't be just. He wouldn't be fair. Come on, if it took the ability to be able to play the piano and to sing beautifully and play the drums and play the guitar and what else you play, I don't know, whatever else it is, right? Then we'd all have to be rolling over to Danielle and ask her to pray for us because she's more talented than me. I don't know what your story is, but she's more talented than me. God wouldn't be fair because he's asking me to give him something that he hasn't given me. And nowhere in the Bible will you find God asking you to give you something that he hasn't already deposited in you. The Bible says in Romans 12, 3, that for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you are, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. Come on, faith is the one thing that God has dealt to every human being, so nobody can use the excuse that they didn't have what it took. Come on, God will never ask you for something that he didn't give you. Now, back to the passage for a minute. Is this still up there? For by grace, by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. That's a message all in and of itself. But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment. What's the opposite of sober? Drunk. Drunk. Intoxicated. Come on, to be sober is to not be intoxicated on the inside with things from the outside. To be sober is to not be intoxicated on the inside with things from the outside. Yeah, yeah. So now watch this. When you get drunk, don't do it. You are internally influenced on the inside with things from the outside. When you smoke crack, don't do it. You're internally influenced on the inside with things from the outside. But watch this. It doesn't have to always be alcohol. It's the outside world influencing your life more than God is. If the outside world is influencing your life more than God is, you might be intoxicated. Social media got some of y'all just drunk. 
Come on, video games. Just got some of y'all just drunk. If the outside world is influencing your life more than God is, you might be intoxicated. So back to the scripture. So God has given each one of us a measure of faith. The only difference between you and a person who is more faithful than you is that that person has chosen to utilize to a greater degree what he has been given. The only difference between you and a person who walks in greater faith than you is that person has choose to utilize what he's been given more than you have. Because the Bible says that God has deposited in each and every one of us a measure of faith. Right? So tonight, as usual, I got a good amount of scripture for you because that's really all I got at the end of the day. And scripture is important because I believe it's the primary weapon that God has given us for great success in the kingdom and in the world. I don't know about you, but I don't want good success. I want great success, right? I, I'm, I'm, I'm preachers to the football players probably this next week. But is greatness bad? Is, is, is pursuing greatness bad? Absolutely not. Because he told Abraham, I'm going to make you great. The Bible says that God is great and we are made in his image. So if we serve a great God, then we have to be great people, right? So we should strive for greatness, not for our own benefit, but for the glory of God. But that's another message. I'll get back to it. Talking about the word. So Jesus is in the desert, right? And the devil comes up on him and starts messing with him and starts tempting him when he's hungry and his body's talking to him and the devil's talking to him. What did he use to beat the devil back? He used the word. He used scripture, right? Because he gave us the example. He gave us the pattern of how we're going to defeat the enemy. So I believe that the word of God is important, which is why I always use a lot of scripture. So hopefully you're taking notes, taking pictures of the screen, something like that, and getting ready. So Isaiah 55, 10 through 11, it says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Come on, my encouragement to you is let the word do the work. And this is what I love about the word of God. If, if the word says that you're the salt of the earth, then you're the salt. Why are you arguing? If the word says that you're the light of the world, then you're the light of the world. Why are you tripping? If the world says that you are victorious, if the world says that, I mean, if the word says that you're victorious and the word says that you're healed and the word says that you're delivered and the word says that you're redeemed, why are you walking around thinking less of yourself than God thinks about you? Simply let the word do the work. This morning I was hosting and I was talking about there is a law of confession. You can have what God says you can have if you say what God said. It's as easy as that. I don't believe that God has a problem answering the prayers that he told us to pray. I don't believe that God has a problem inhabiting the praise that he told us to praise or the worship he told us to give. Now you're like, Pastor Mark, you know, I really don't feel like it. Well, you don't fight the good fight of feels. Bible says you fight the good fight of, of faith. You've been called to fight the good fight of faith. Now, again, I love the word, and I just, I got nothing else but to cling to the promises of God and what he said. Come on, I, I've trusted in what the TV said. I've trusted in what society has said. I've trusted in what uh, I thought and what my parents might have said, or all these different things. But the only one, the only one that has always remained true has been Jesus and his word. 
right? And so I'm going to hold on to that. Now, I think one of our biggest mistakes, and you'll hear me say this all the time, I think one of our biggest mistakes is, is, is waiting for Jesus to do something that he's already done. Or it's waiting for God to do something that he told you to do. I had this one lady's like, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't use an alarm clock. I just, I wait for the Lord to wake me up. She was like uber spiritual. I was like, that's stupid. You're missing an appointment because you're waiting for the Lord to wake you up. And the Lord's like, uh, there are alarm clocks. Why do we wait for God to do things that he's given us the ability to do and actually given us the mandate or the charge to do? Lord, if you would just take it from me. No, the Bible says, hey, I've given you the power to let it go. No, Lord, but take it from me. No, I've given you the power and the authority and the anointing to let it go. And you stuck in this space between six and seven, right? Because you're waiting for God to take something from you. When he says, "Ah, I've already given you the ability and the power to deal with that. You keep asking me to handle it and I told you to handle it. That make sense? I think that the phrase, the harvest is plentiful, has never been so relevant to a generation that's walked on the earth as much as it is with your generation and the ones coming behind you. But watch this, praying for God to send people to this young adult ministry or to your small group or even into the kingdom, to me is not as effective a solution as going out and making disciples by the power that God has enabled us with. Lord, send them in. He's like, but I said go. So are we not supposed to pray for them to come in? No, 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 no. You do both, right? But if you just sit here and you don't go when he told you to go and do it, you're going to get frustrated because frustration always comes from failed expectations. I expected God to do it, and God expected me to do it, and we just have this stalemate going on, and in the meantime, people are dying. Hmm. We tend to put things on God to do when God has clearly put it on us to do, and then watch this. We have the audacity to wonder why the fruit we see is not as plentiful as the Bible says it should be. I'm just waiting on the Lord. Okay, you know how I feel about that, right? If you're going to use that statement then you have to qualify it. What are you waiting on the Lord to do that he hasn't already done? I'm waiting for salvation. Come on. Before you even prayed the prayer and invited Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life, salvation was already there. Salvation was waiting for you. You weren't waiting for salvation. I'm waiting for deliverance. You're not waiting for deliverance because he already delivered you from everything according to the word. If you're going to hold on to, I'm just waiting on the Lord, that's cool. I'm I'm not mad at you. I'm not saying that there's not an appropriate time for all of that. But you have to ask yourself, are you waiting on God to do something that he's already done? Because in that confusion, lives are at stake. Blessings are forfeited. Purpose is abused. Come on, all of these different things. So you think about it. Now, scripture, 
think there's another one up there, and, and, and I love the scripture. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 11. This will be a long one. I'm going fast, so you're going to have to hold on because I want to be mindful of the time. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness, right? It says, Through these things he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature of men and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Wait a minute. He says, His divine power has given us everything that we need for godliness. There's nothing that you lack. You're not waiting on God to do anything else for you, for you to be able to walk in godliness and for you to be able to walk in holiness. He says, I've given you all these things. This is what I love. So you can participate. So you can play the game. You got all the cheat codes. You got everything that you need. If I start talking about video games and don't make sense, just bear with me because I don't play. I don't know what I'm talking about. Verse 5 says, for this very reason, make every effort... I love this. To add to your what? Make every effort to add to your what? He's, he, he didn't tell you to make effort to get faith. He says make every effort to add to your faith because he's already deposited in you a measure of faith. You, you, you with me? So he says, add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, goodness, and to goodness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. It says, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that uh, they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, for if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? That was the intro. Let's pray. Come on, hallelujah. Father God, we thank you again that you're an awesome God and a faithful God. And we're just, uh, we're honored and blessed and privileged to be in this place, Heavenly Father, where your presence is so rich and prevalent, Heavenly Father. And I just pray, God, in these next few minutes, help me to articulate whatever it is that you would have me to say to these young men and women, Heavenly Father. And I pray that you would give them ears to hear and a mind to understand, a, a heart to receive, and then a faith and a boldness to walk out whatever it is that you reveal to them in this space today, Lord, that you might be glorified and that they might be edified and that your perfect will would be accomplished in and through their life, Lord. And so we love you. We praise you. And God, just help. Just help. Please help. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. That's a great prayer. Lord, help. <laughs> That's a great prayer. You ain't even got to say nothing else, right? So just real quick before I get into this, I, I, I want to show you. This is what I love about our church, and there's beautiful things. So hope. Hope is there. Hope, stand up for me. So hope works at Costco. Okay, you guys know that, right? And Hope greets everybody with a smile and name of Steve, right? Football practice down on campus, and I meet this guy by the name of Steve, right? He, he, he ended up being the first NFL draft pick from Boise State College. So the first person from Boise State that ever got drafted to the NFL, right? He was there. I got to meet him. Steve, stand up. So that's Steve. But wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That, that's not even the good part yet, right? So he says, I was invited to your church like a couple times, three times. I came one time and then something happened. But I met this girl at Costco. I think her name was Hope. Do you know Hope? I'm like, absolutely, I know Hope. He, she's, he's like, Hope invited me to church, right? 
multi-generational, doing her job, still being mindful of the kingdom of God, not ashamed to be like, hey, it's just a question. Come on. So, Hope, well done. Steve, welcome to Capitol with us, brother. Appreciate having you. And unlike uh, your, your lead pastor, I am a Raiders fan, and he got drafted to the Raiders, so I'm just like, this is my guy right here, right? You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So today, we're going we're, we're gonna to consider how to get to a place where the power, the blessings, and the love of God is being manifest in full force in your life. How's that sound? We're going to talk about getting to a place where the power of God is, 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 is manifest in your life. The blessings of God are in full effect in your life. I don't know about you, but it sounds good to me. But I've come to understand this particular statement. If the power of God is not being manifest in your life the way that the word of God says it should be, it's not because God doesn't want it to be. Ah, the Lord was just hating on me. He didn't know. If the power of God is not being manifest in your life the way the Bible says it should be, then it's not God's fault. And, And some people might say, well, you know, I've I got a special problem, and you just don't understand. No, no, you don't, okay? Some may say you just haven't had to deal with the situations and circumstances that I've had to deal with, so you don't know what it's like. You don't know how, how I was raised. That, that, that's not true either because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says that no temptation has overtaken you except for that which is common to man, but God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. I love the message translation. It says no test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. He'll always be there to help you come through it. So if you fell into temptation, you just wanted to. I didn't get a nap either. (laughs) And I didn't get a nap either. Mercy. I'm, that's, that's, what's a, that's what the Bible says. Okay? So to, tonight I want to talk about positioning yourself for God things. I was going to use the title positioning yourself for great things, but I'm like, ah, let's do it with, for God things. And here's the long scripture you're going to have. You can write it down in your notes if you, if you want to, but Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. You ready? It says, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. If we didn't have to go any, we don't really have to go any further than that. It says he's blessed us in the heavenly realms, right? With every spiritual blessing in Christ. When it talks about your blessings being eternal, it's not talking about you waiting until you get to heaven to experience those blessings. It's saying that they're held in heaven and nobody can take them away. Ain't no devil in hell that can steal something that's eternal. Your spiritual blessings. God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in Christ. It says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy, to be blameless in his sight. And in love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed 
established in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment. To bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And I love this. It says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. You need to go back and read that and claim those promises because basically he's telling you everything that you need, you already got in Christ Jesus, right? There's nothing hidden, but I love this. Verses three through six talk about how our spiritual blessings were predestined before for the beginning of time. This means our blessings are waiting on us. We're not waiting on our blessings. Our favor is waiting on telling us. Ephesians 2, not waiting on our favor. This is what the scripture is telling us. Ephesians 2, chapter, or chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Man, this is good stuff. Now, what's that look like naturally? And I've, if you've seen me do this example before, that's okay. Just bear with me. But so basically, God goes out here before we were all born, and he says, okay, there's going to come a season in the life of this community, Treasure Valley, State of Idaho, even in the nation and around the world, where I'm going to need a church that's not going to be afraid of the word, that's not going to be afraid to pray, that's not going to be afraid to worship me in spirit and in truth, right? And so he says, and in that church, I'm going to create some ministries. There'll probably be a college of ministry that I'm going to create, and uh, I'm going to create this uh, young, young adult ministry called CYA, and in order for me to do that, I've got to be, have some people who will be responsible, right? Who will be responsible to steward that blessing. So he he deposits all of these things. He creates them. Then he backs up. Boop, boop. If I go too fast, Rob, I fall, you know, because his leg don't lift very well, right? But he backs up. Then he creates a Pastor Chris and Kelly. Even before that, he creates a Pastor Ken and Pastor Connie. He says, and you know what? They're going to need some help, so I'm going to give them three little minions, right? You know, uh, Chris, Kelly, and I mean, Chris, Rochelle, and, and Tracy, right? And, and they're going to be anointed because they're going to be able to take the vision farther than he can take it. He said, but I'm also going to have a youth ministry in there, and I'm going to need some people who are anointed and who are appointed. So I'm going to bring in a Pastor Rob and then a Pastor Danielle. So you didn't even know that he said, that was a setup before you even went to Twin Falls for the very first time, right? Our spiritual blessings. It says God prepared all of these things beforehand so that we might walk in them. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in. So catch this. Listen to me. So you have to understand, if this is true, and it is because the word is true, you have to understand that your life is not an experiment. Your life is an assignment. And it's an assignment for a task that God already prepared for you long before the foundations of the world. And if it's an assignment that God already prepared for you, then you have to understand and believe that God has already deposited in you everything that you need to complete that assignment. Is that on the screen? Do I have that slide? No. Go backwards. I might not have gave it to him. Oh. I'm a, your life is... Your life is not an experiment. Your life is an assignment. 
I'm just experimenting with my sexuality. Why? I'm just experimenting with drugs. I'm just experimenting with guys. I'm just experimenting with, why are you wasting your time experimenting when God has given you an assignment? Your life is not an experiment. Your life is an assignment. And it's an assignment for a task that God has already prepared for you long before the foundations of the world. And if that's true, it is. It's an assignment that God has already prepared for you. So you have to understand and believe that God has already deposited everything in you, everything that you need to complete the assignment. I don't know what it is. I, I don't know what the end game is going to be for, for me and my testimony, what I'm going to accomplish. But I know this by faith. Everything that I need, I already got. Everything that you need, you already have in Christ Jesus. I know because some of you are like, search, I don't, I don't have it. I don't have the finances. I don't have this. I don't have that. And my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in Glory, his riches in Christ Jesus. Your life is not an experiment. Quit, please, quit experimenting and get about the assignment. Proverbs 16, 9 says, a man's, in a man's mind, uh, a man's mind plans his ways as he journeys through life, but the Lord directs his steps and establishes them. Jeremiah 10, 23 says, I know, O Lord, that a man's life is not his own. It's not for a man to direct his steps. Proverbs 20, 24 says that a man's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand his own way? Now, as children of the living God, our task is simply this, to obey. I shared the scripture this morning. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Come on. I, Abraham, when he was going to, to sacrifice Isaac on the altar, you can't tell me that he knew what was going on, but he trusted God. He said, the Lord will provide. If you were in his head, he'd be like, I don't even know how in the world this is going to happen. God gave me a blessing. Now he wants to take it back. Man, what's going on? The Lord will provide. Look, he believed it so much that he told his servants, he's like, hey, you guys wait over here. The boy and I are going to go over there and worship. And Isaac, I think he got a clue, right? He's like, Pops, where's the ram? <laughs> he said, the Lord will provide. If God provided for Abe's life, to fulfill the assignment on his life. God will provide for you. Now, God doesn't really want us to be in the dark necessarily about his plans, but he wants us to search. As the scripture says, it's the glory of kings to conceal, or it's the glory of the Lord to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search a matter out. Are you searching? Are you pursuing? So that you can fulfill the assignment. I know the scriptures, youngsters love a, a, a lot. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you. We all love that. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Man, that's good stuff. And this is the promise of God, his promise. But I think we missed the, the rest of the narrative. He says, then you will call on me and you will come and pray to me and then I will listen to you and you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Man, I, I know this, and I'm not picking on anybody lest you think that I am. If we would invest 
as much time into seeking the will of God for our lives as we do uh, beauty project products, uh, video game plan, uh, time you spend on social media. I don't know. I don't know what your world is, but I'm just telling you, I know our lives would look a little bit different if we spent as much time seeking God's will as we did seeking all this other stuff. I tell people, and it's true, you have as much of God as you want. No, I want more. No, you've got as much of God as you want. Because if you wanted more, God is not restricting himself from you. So if you want more, go get more. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. He says, if you seek me, you'll find me. If you seek me with all your heart. Not a computer programmer, but I know this about in, in computer programming, there's a basic code that contains a logical statement. It says if and then. It's just a logical statement, right? Only two things can happen. Either the statement is true or the statement is false. It says if the statement is true, then A, B, and C happens. If the statement is false, then X, Y, and Z happens. It's simply a logical statement that has a response. So the question has to be answered, right? And then there's an if-then response. And there's a lot of if statements in the Bible. And the message today is no different, right? And Second Chronicles says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways and seek my face. He says, then will I hear from heaven. Then will I heal their land. Well, I'm like praying and I was seeking God's face, but he didn't. I'm like, did you turn from your wicked ways? Okay, I turned from my wicked ways, but and nothing happened. I'm like, well, were you seeking his face? It's conditional. You can't do one part of the equation and expect to get the correct answer. You see what I'm saying? If my people... Come on, the Bible tells us at the beginning of, of creation, God had caused it not to rain upon the earth. And you've had me talk about this. And this is what I believe. Things must be in place before God will act, right? You had to get saved before you could be a beneficiary of all of the promises of God. You understand what I'm saying? Right? You don't get a check from Micron if you don't work from Micron. But I love Micron. That's cool. They thank you for buying their stuff, but they will not pay you if you're not an employee. If you're not in relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, there's just certain stuff that you don't get. Bless the Lord, there's grace and there's mercy until you come into that relationship. But I think too much, we're trying to get a check from a company that we don't work for. This is my opinion, right? The Bible tells us at the beginning of creation, God had caused it not to rain upon the earth. It doesn't mean that the earth was without water. It says up to this time, God had caused a mist to come up from the earth to give moisture to the earth. There had just been no downpour from the heavenlies. We, I've asked you this question before. Why? Because Genesis 2 verses 5 and 6 says there was no man to till the ground. According to the scripture that I read earlier out of Isaiah, he says, when the rain comes, when the snow comes, when the downpour comes from heaven, it's going to make stuff grow. When the blessings of God come down, when the anointing of God come down, when the power of God comes down, it's going to make things grow. And God says, I'm not sending the rain if there's nobody there to take care of the growth. Rewind that. I'm not sending the rain until there's somebody there to take care of the growth. Some of us want blessings that we're unable to steward. 
and then we get mad. But Lord, you're blessing Betty. Well, maybe Betty's a better steward than you are. You should become a better steward, spiritual steward, right? I believe that there are some things that God has planned to do. He's made provision for doing and he truly desires to do that he's not going to do until there's somebody in place to receive what God intends to give. Say that again. There are some things that God has planned to do in your life, in this season of your life. He's made provision for doing and he desires to do that he's not going to do until you're in a place to receive what God plans or what he intends to give. God is waiting on somebody to be in position. When I was a little kid, my dad used to tell me, and I didn't understand at the time. It's like, boy, you know, he'd be doing stuff. He's a pastor, and he'd go to do some stuff. And I wasn't really with this whole let's visit the people and all of that stuff. I used to drink the communion juice. And uh, to this day, I cannot drink grape juice. Like Welch's purple grape juice, oh, I won't do it. I'm a sinner. Because when I was a little kid, I'd get in the little portable communion kit, and I'd drink it and eat it because I was hungry. I was a fat kid. <laughs> Then I understood I was drinking the communion. I was like, oh, no, so I don't drink purple grape juice. I drink some white grape juice, but I just can't do it. Call it religious, I don't know, but it just messes me up, right? Scarred for life over that. But God, my dad used to say this to me. He'd like, boy, don't be out of pocket. I'm like, what are you talking about? Don't be out of pocket. I'm like, he, he meant when I come back, you need to be where I left you because it's going to be time to go. God is waiting for some things and some peoples to be in position so that he can do what he purposes to do, so that he can do what he wants to do. I'm not a good basketball player, but I know some basketball analogies, right? But so if you're the point guard, right, and you go in and you start working on a pick and roll, if the big man don't roll, <laughs> the pick don't mean nothing, right? <laughs> it don't mean nothing at all. See that you guys were playing basketball? Somebody didn't do it? No. It, Sal. <laughs> Sow. Come on, if you're playing football and you're running an out route, the quarterback, and it's a timing route, if the quarterback throws the ball to the spot that you're supposed to be in and you're not there and you got a defensive back like Ty Jones who's smart enough to be like, well, if he ain't going to be there, I'm going to be there. Pick six. You see what I'm saying? You have to be in the right position. When, when God came looking for David in the field, David was in the field doing what God called him to do. Quick question. Spiritually, are you where God needs for you to be so that he can do what he wants to do? I'm not saying you are. I'm not saying you're not. I'm just asking the question. God is waiting for someone to be in position. I think that there's an appointed time for things to happen, but I, I really don't believe that it's a particular date or time in history that, that, that we think, right? When I say there's an appointed time, the Bible in Psalms 35 says, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Morning is not just something that has an AM attached to it. Morning happens when you wake up. Come on, look at your neighbor, say, wake up. Morning's not something that just has an AM attached to it. Morning happens when you wake up. Some of y'all, because you be playing video games or on social media, now you don't even wake up till 3 p.m. No how. So the AM, yeah, shots fired. Never mind. Man, it's like toothpaste, right? I can't get it back. But let the Lord strike it from the records of your heart. Things have to be in place in order for God to do what he purposed to do. Come on. There was a flood that came, was there not? 
I don't know how long it took to build the ark, but it took a long time. Things had to be in place. There had to be a boat that could take care of what God wanted to keep or else he wasn't going to send the flood. Come on, you know the story of Elisha and Elijah, right? Elisha was like, hey, just let me have your mantle when you go. I'll give you a double portion. But the timing had to be right and the place had to be right because Elijah didn't know when he was going to die. So he says, if you're with me, I'll let you have it. He had to be in position both spiritually and naturally in that particular instance. The children of Israel in the desert, come on, there had to be enough faith for them to cross out of the desert into the promised land. And that took a long time. I don't know about you, but I don't have 40 years to get my act together. And as young as you are, neither do you. Come on, Joseph, we look at the story of Joseph, right? And his brothers being salty with him and throwing him in the pit. But it was all a setup. What they meant for evil, God turned around for good. So God raised him up through these particular ranks until he positioned him so that he was second in charge. So that when the other 11 people from the 12 tribes of Israel showed up, he was able to save them. I know sometimes we, people, they do us wrong and we want to get them back. We say, Lord, you just need to take care of them. Okay, Jonah. He ended up in the belly of the well with that type of attitude, right? But just think if Joseph hadn't stayed true to the anointing of God on his life, he could have killed 11 of the, tw- the heads of the 12 tribes of Israel. Where would we be without Judah? Come on. John the Baptist, Jesus couldn't do his thing until John the Baptist did his. And just in all, as in all of these historic events, the blessing is there in God's safekeeping. The need is there, insistent, resistant, and persistent, right? But the blessing won't be applied to the need until man's heart is in a position for God to act according to his own laws of redemption, his own laws of healing, and his own laws of deliverance. Come on, the blessing won't be applied to the need until man's heart is in position for God to act. There are some things that God has in the heavenlies that just won't be released to you, just like the rain, until you're in a proper position spiritually, relationally, and emotionally. And again, like that story in Genesis, you may be experiencing a mist, but in your spirit, come on, many of you have a restlessness that there's got to be something more. Come on, remember the mist was only there to sustain things until there was man that would occupy the land so that he could till the ground. That's what the mist was for. God never intended there not to be a downpour from heaven. God never intended for this to be your crowning achievement. Come on, deep down inside, you guys know that you aren't fully where you ought to be. Or maybe I should say that you know that you're not where God would have you to be. I mean, how many of you can honestly tell me by a show of hands that, 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 that you think the crowning moment in your life has already arrived? Nobody. No, I'm there. I can't, I can't, I can't do any more. I've, I've topped out. No, there's more. There's always more. Singer said, I'm tired of the status quo. It's got to be more than this. Got to be more. Got to be more. Got to be more than this. 
Because desperate people do desperate things and we're pressing in. Come on, there's got to be more. According to the Bible that I read, according to the God that I know, according to what the Holy Spirit is revealing to me, there's more than I'm experiencing in this particular moment. I tell you guys all the time, I'm not greedy. I'm hungry. I want all that. I don't want more than what God has for me, but I do want all that God has for me. You're just so greedy. No, I'm not. I'm hungry. I want to eat what God has given me to eat. And that should be your testimony too. That should be your statement. Now, this particular church that we're in, as far as the power and anointing of God being manifest in us and, and through us, we're on par with some of the top ministries in the world. This is not a competition, but I'm telling you what it is. I love when people like John Bevere come here and Benny comes here and they're just like, oh man, we want to come back. There's just something. I love out blessing people. Right, They came here to get something. I want to give them something because I want them to go back to where they came from. Talking about, man, in Boise, Idaho, at Capitol Church, man, the spirit of the Lord is just on fire. You need to go and visit that place. That's not a testimony to my preaching or Pastor Chris preaching. That's a testimony of what God is doing in the house and what you guys are participating in, right? But I guarantee you, if you were to ask Pastor Chris if he's content with where we are and what we've accomplished, I guarantee you his answer would be no. This is not the completion of what he saw when God gave him this ministry, when there was a transfer. This is not the completion of what God saw when he gave Pastor Ken and Connie the vision to start the church. There's more. There's more. And I want to be a part of the more. So now I know most of you have a frustration that causes you to ask yourself the question, man, so then how come I'm no farther along than this in my spiritual life? You ever ask yourself that question? No, no shame. There's no condemnation. I'm like, man, how come I'm not further along? I thought I'd be further along. And again, I told you that, that, that frustration always comes with failed expectations, right? But see, you got to understand this. Frustration is an indication that your situation is going through a transformation. Come on. Frustration is an indication that your situation is going through a transformation. It can be a positive transformation or it could be a negative transformation. It just depends on what you're doing. But frustration is always an indication that you are not content with what's happening and something's got to change. So stay frustrated in a sense, right? Never be content with where you are. Come on, and even before you were saved, you understood that God had plans for you. And most of you knew that there was something else or you would have never come looking for it in Christ. That's why you never really had joy. That's why you never really had peace because you were looking for these things in all the wrong places. And that might not have been your testimony, but I know it was mine. And some of us have blamed our parents. We blame spouses. If you're married, friends, jobs, whatever, when you should truly be asking yourself, is God waiting for me to be in a different spiritual position before he pours out the manifest blessings or promises on my life? Is God waiting for me? I told you, some of you guys are waiting for God. Last time I said, some of you guys are waiting for God to do some things, and God is waiting for you to become someone. Because he says, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. So there's a new you that God is waiting for you to become so that he can pour out all of his blessings on your life. I got to ask yourself the question, is God waiting for me to be in a different spiritual position before he pours out his manifest blessings? Are you in position? That's my question for you. 
This guy, Larry Stockstill, uh, wrote a book. He said, Alignment Before Assignment. And what I love, he talked about alignment is the correct position or positioning of different components with respect to each other or something else so that they perform properly. Some of you guys are trying to fulfill the assignment and you're not in the right position spiritually. And you're getting frustrated. I'm trying to be the CEO already and I'm barely an employee. Alignment always comes before the assignment. Are you in position? Because when you're in alignment with God and his purposes, come on, God will open up the heavens and he'll cause it to rain on you and you're going to experience such an outpouring of God's blessings, I guarantee you, you won't know what to do. And it's not just about the blessings. Don't get me wrong. He's talking a lot about blessings. No, God will pour out on you his manifest purposes for your life. I'd rather be fulfilled in my purpose than have a bunch of blessings. Chapel, I, was, I, I told the football players on Thursday at Chapel, I was like, you know what the wealthiest piece of land on the earth is? The wealthiest piece of land on the earth is the cemetery. Because I can take you there and show you purposes that were unfulfilled. I can take you there and show you books that were never written and songs that were never sung and dreams that were never uh, accomplished. I can take you there and I can show you potential that was never reached because they weren't in position. Come on, when I die, I want to die empty. I want to die having fulfilled everything that God called me to do. I don't care about fame. I don't care about fortune. I care about hearing well done, my good and faithful servant. Are you in position? I talk about the blessings being poured out, right? But you have to understand that the blessings of the Lord aren't for you to hoard. They're for you to give to others. Because if you don't have peace, you can't give peace. If you don't have joy, you can't extend joy. If you don't have hope, you can't give hope. If you don't have provisions, you can't give provision. Well, when I get to heaven, I'll get my blessings. Come on, we've had this conversation. You don't need no blessings in heaven. You need them now. Are you in position? This is what I want you to do. I want to encourage you today to ask God where he wants you to be spiritually so that there might be a deluge or a downpour of the manifest promises, the manifest blessings, and the kingdom purpose in your life. This is a good question for you, Lord. Am I in position spiritually? Geographically, it doesn't matter where you're at. Spiritually is more important. Here's your questions. Lord, am I faithful in your sight? I don't know if it's up there, but you can write that down. Lord, am I faithful in your sight? Come on, Hebrews 11:6 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Some of you have been going through the motions of being a Christian and you know the right things to say, you know the right things to do in front of people, but if you were to ask God, Lord, am I faithful in your eyes, you might not get the answer that you're looking for. Lord, am I faithful in your sight? Number two, some of you thought that you were in position because you'd been experiencing the, uh, the mist of his goodness, but hopefully the Holy Spirit through this message today is prompting you to ask this question, Lord, where am I out of position? Wouldn't you want to know? Because if you were out of position, wouldn't you want to know? I would want to know. The only one sufficiently qualified to tell me is the Holy Spirit. 
Lord, am I faithful in your sight? Lord, where am I out of position? And some of you here tonight, maybe you, you, you need to get into the boat of salvation because some of the stuff that I've been talking about tonight is just not applicable to you in your life at this juncture if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. The promises of God are for the children of God. The blessings of God are for the children of God. The promises of God, the Bible says, are yes and amen. And if you're here in this place tonight and you never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, this is a great time for you to change your position. I came from darkness and stepped into the light. And with every head bowed, every eye closed. I just want you to spend a couple seconds asking the Holy Spirit those questions. Lord, am I faithful in your sight? Lord, where am I out of position? And ask the Holy Spirit. The Bible says a broken heart and a contrite spirit he will never deny. And so even if you don't know Jesus Christ and the pardon of your sins in this place tonight, if you ask him, Lord, am I in the boat? He'll let you know. Lord, we thank you for your grace and we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your loving kindness that's better than life. We thank you, Lord, that your promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus to all who believe in you, to all whose hope and trust is in you. And we thank you, Lord, that you, 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 you're with us a long time, Heavenly Father. You never get tired of us coming before you with our petitions and with our requests, Heavenly Father. Your, your word says that as far as the east is from the west, you've forgiven us of our sins, Heavenly Father. And in Romans, it tells us there's nothing. Lord, in this can separate us from your love. Lord, in this moment, I, I, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to any of those who would be in here under the sound of my voice that don't know you in the pardon of their sins. They've been coming to church, or maybe this is their first time, but they've never prayed that prayer asking you to be Lord of their life. We thank you, God, that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But you love us in spite of us. So if there's anyone here in this moment and you would say, Pastor Mark, yeah, I've never actually surrendered my life to Christ. And if I died tonight, I don't know if heaven would be my home. I'm out of position. If that's you and you want to change your testimony, I wonder if you might be so bold as to raise your hand. I don't say it to embarrass you. I say it to give you this opportunity to get on the winning team. Come on, I see one, two. Come on, keep your hands up. It's okay. Anybody else? I see three hands. Today is your day.
Today is your day. Come on, before we pray this prayer, anybody else in here, that's your testimony. All right, I want those with their hands raised and even the rest of the congregation, if you pray this with me. Lord, I thank you for your grace and I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I admit and confess that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. So this day, I ask you to come and be Lord of my life. I ask you that you would take over. I submit myself to your will and ask that you would guide me by the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that according to my confession of faith, that I am now a child of God. So Lord, thank you for saving me. I pray that you would strengthen me. I pray that you would position me who can help me grow in a church and with people who can help me grow to be the person you've called me to be. Thank you for loving me, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you for joining us today. To stay connected with our community, you can follow us at Capital Young Adults.